There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome to the family with L.A. Nick, co-host, co-host Catherine Brand, and Andy Bernard. We'll be right back. Mark Anthony will join us. The afterlife frequency, the scientific proof of spiritual contact, and how that awareness will change your life. Mark Anthony, our special guest, he's a psychic lawyer. What do you think of that action? Psychic lawyer, huh? That's what it says, a psychic lawyer. We'll find out what that means right after this with Mark Anthony. Tommy, how long have you been at KQ? 36 years now. Wow, that's loyalty. Well, if I'm completely honest, it isn't the company that I'm loyal to. It's the listeners. I figured out a long time ago they're the only reason I have a job. Why are you asking? Well, we had another great month at Coon Rapids Nissan and Burnsville Nissan. In fact, Burnsville continues to be the number one Nissan store in Minnesota. The loyalty part. Get to the loyalty part. Oh, yeah. This month, if you buy or lease a new Rogue or a Pathfinder from us, we'll give you an extra 500 off as long as you own or are leasing a Nissan. That is cool. Do they have to trade it? Nope. It's just a reward for being loyal. By the way, the new Pathfinder is fantastic. It's got a nine-speed transmission, and JLo says it'll practically pull the building. We also cut a deal with our good buddy Charlie Swenson, who's running a Nissan store in Chicago. He gave us some extra rogues. Because Charlie's such a nice guy. Well, Paul might have threatened him. Sounds like Paul. For details, go to Walzer Nissan or Coon Rapids Nissan and claim your loyalty gift. Tommy, give him some Elvis loyalty. Thank you. Thank you very much. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know? And that's exactly my question is you have to understand who has the best your best interest in mind correct well you want to know what your rights are you know whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not that's a choice it's a free consultation and you want to understand what your all your rights are and what coverages you have and plus the fact i hang out with you so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if i'm hanging out with you uh, maybe <laughs> uh, okay ladies and gentlemen michael bryant bradshaw and bryant It's so weird. I look at the date today and it sneaks up on me that two days from now on Friday, my brother's been dead a year already. 
That's amazing. Oh, Troy yeah. died a year ago on October 15th. That I tell is you, amazing. you don't realize how fast time flies by. Oh, it's terrible. It's just screaming by. Well, you know, <clears throat> his electromagnetic soul is pure eternal energy that never dies. See, so there you Isn't go. Isn't that right, Mark? That's a fact, isn't it? Yes, it is. See, Mark Anthony, ladies and gentlemen, the afterlife frequency, the scientific proof of spiritual contact, and how that awareness will change your life. What's it all about, Mark? By the way, first of all, are you still angry that that guy in Egypt stole your name all those years ago? You know, it's funny. When you have a name like Mark Anthony, I've heard all the jokes about Cleopatra and more recently Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's true. And all I can say is I wish I was getting alimony from J-Lo. No, yeah, absolutely. Ooh, yeah. Me too. Absolutely. Uh, you, you call yourself a psychic lawyer, takes you on a quest for answers and finds them. What answers are we, 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 look at, are we looking for? The, here, here's the deal, Mark. I think a lot of people right now, and maybe I'm wrong, I don't know, whatever. I grew up, I should point out that I grew up Catholic, and I'm not the most religious guy in the world, but I always liked the society and all that stuff. Right. But I think right now I have discovered more people that... If they do, they do, and if they don't, they want to believe in an afterlife because things are so rocky right now. People are acting so horribly right now. They're going, God, I hope there's another better life after I die. I think a lot of people feel that way now, Mark. I, I, I think that's true. I, I as well grew up in the Catholic faith, and both my parents were mediums. My dad was a Navy SEAL and a NASA engineer. Ooh. And I have to say this. Um, you know, My dad has passed, but today... William Shatner, Captain Kirk yep. went to space. I mean, how cool is that? <laughs> it I is know. And, and he started what's really amazing is when he landed and he came out of the capsule, he's standing next to Jeff Bezos, and it was like, why isn't he saying anything? I think he was in shock. He was overwhelmed. And then when he started talking about it, it was the same passion that my dad used to talk about with the space program. Oh, and sure. the way William Shatner described that <laughs> that the, the blue blanket around our planet, it's so thin, it's so fragile. Right. It was just amazing. And so, you know, um, I have to salute Captain Kirk. And I know I'm digressing there from your No, 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 not at all, because I enjoyed it. How many times are we going to be on the air the day that Captain Kirk went to space? I mean, seriously. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. It, it is. It's very cool. Yeah. I love the fact, Mark, that he started crying, and he had to stop talking for all because he was crying so much. Aw. He's the well, perfect person to go. Yeah, he is. I agree. Yeah, he was. You know, I was like, it's a shame they couldn't have gotten all the actors who played the Trek captains. You know, like Cape Mulgrew and Avery Brooks and, and uh, God, I always forget the guy that played on Enterprise. But anyway, um, having all of Captain Picard, I mean, you know, it, I think that would have been really cool. But the thing is, uh, he was the first. And if you think about it, how the technology of Star Trek, which at that time was largely considered science fiction, is now, in many respects, the science fact of today. If you don't believe me, look at our cell phones. Yeah. You know, yeah. There's, there's your, yeah. You know, your communicator, your tricorder, all of that. Uh, we're, we now have medical technology that can scan people looking for energy anomalies. Mm -hmm. And the reason I'm bringing all this up is because that's what I talk about in my new book, The Afterlife Frequency, which launched yesterday. And um, I'm, I'm very honored and overwhelmed um, because it's already hit bestseller status Ooh. on Amazon. Okay. And I was notified by Columbia University, the office of the Pulitzer, that somebody submitted it for a Pulitzer Prize. Oh. Wow. So, 
Yeah, I mean, it's like, what a week. And and then Captain Kirk goes to space. I mean, does it get any better than this? <laughs> you know, and, and uh, um, but, but um, what it is, my entire life, I've been a science, a very science-oriented person. And you brought up a really good question. You know, we want to know, is there a better life than this one? Right. We know, yeah, we know from the laws of thermodynamics and physics that energy is neither created nor destroyed, only transferred from one form to another. We know from faith, whether it's Hinduism, Buddhism, Christianity, Judaism, Islam, Native Americanism, um, you can you know, take any religion around the world, and the belief that who and what we are, the soul, the spirit, as it's referred to in, in matters in, in uh, the field of faith, and consciousness in the uh, field of psychology and neuroscience, that the, the soul pre-exists the body, comes into the body, and then moves on when the body dies. And when you guys were talking about the electromagnetic soul, after years of research, and when I was practicing law full-time, I was uh, a criminal offense attorney. Before that, I was a prosecutor. But I was also a civil trial attorney who specialized in head injury litigation. So I've been studying the human brain for years. Mm -hmm. It has a quantum field, an electromagnetic field. So I developed this term to describe what we really are, which is pure consciousness that is eternal electromagnetic energy. And that when we die, think of your brain like a computer hard drive. If, and, you know, the hard drive doesn't, create the programs on it you know my, my computer hard drive did not you know invent windows 10 or the upcoming right, windows 11 right. okay and if my hard drive crashes everything on it will be uploaded to the cloud and it's the same thing with our brain our brain is the host of the electromagnetic soul and when we die our hard drive brain ceases to function but who and what we are as pure energy is a coherent electromagnetic soul a quantum field stays coherent and transfers to a higher frequency which is what you described as the afterlife see that uh, now that does make sense to me we all we've always talked about that that the that the our essence itself what you've been talking about cannot be destroyed and is not destroyed right. i rather enjoy that and i think people I do believe, Mark, whether they want to believe it or not, that people want to believe there is a form of afterlife or something after this, whatever you want to call it, because this life can be very, very difficult. Uh, human beings are so imperfect, it's hard to believe this is it, you know what I mean? It, it, they weren't so interested in how to make money and cheat and steal and lie just to make money. I would have a lot more faith that there is no heaven because this is heaven. But they've turned it into a semi-hell with their greed and filth. So we all hope that there is a much purer form of, of, of a being that we can become. Well, there is. There is. Um, I'm a psychic medium. I've been communicating with spirits since I've been a child. Like I said, my, my parents had these abilities, too. Dad was a Navy SEAL, NASA engineer. My mother was a commercial illustrator. So, you know, we were, we were a very all-American family next door. Maybe a bit more like the Adams family than the Brady Bunch, but you know, <laughs> um, I like it. we we yeah we certainly um, you know my parents weren't going around wearing turbans going I will see your future. I mean you know right, we weren't right. like that at all. And, and I'm the first person in the family to go public with it. It runs for generations, 
in my family. I've tracked it on both sides of the family going back into the 1890s. And I, you know, we could just talk about all those people for, for hours, but dad taught me something. I remember when I was eight years old and we were looking at the stars and we were talking about the space program because I just loved what he did. And he said, Mark, there is no such thing as a mystery. All there is are questions for which we do not yet have the answer. And in enough time, enough research, enough funding is put into something, we can explain it. He said, even if we don't have the science or the technology developed to that point. And, and so, Tom, what I believe is that there is a logical explanation for everything, and that includes spirit communication, not just through somebody like me who's a medium, but also people who have a near-death experience, people who have a shared death experience, people who have deathbed visions, people who have visitations from spirits, whether they're in a dream or they feel them around, and that these different phenomena are not separate, but there is a continuity, a common denominator between all of them, which can be explained through quantum physics. That's why my book, The Afterlife Frequency, the subtitle is The Scientific Proof of Spiritual Contact and How That Awareness Will Change Your Life. Because there is an afterlife. Plus, we've had the benefit now of almost 50 years of near-death experience and afterlife and survival of consciousness studies, which started at the Division of Perceptual Studies at UVA in Virginia. And now it's at universities worldwide. So we're living in a very exciting era where at some point the technology is going to be there to where, you know, we may be, hi, we're on the Tom Barnard podcast. And today we're actually tuning into the other side. Oh, I like it. Works for me. I could use the other side right about now, Mark. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Honestly, I, I just, I think the, the one problem I do have with people saying, well, there's nothing after this or whatever. Um, Give people a little hope. I mean, even if someone believes, well, you just die and you're dead and that's it. Some people who may not think at the same level as, as others may need that just to get by day to day. I don't like people taking that away. No, look, if they use it for evil like, you know, a politician does his politics, that if they use religion for evil and to make money and to steal money from people like some of these, you know, preachers that on Sunday morning television, not all of them, just some of them, but uh, I, I want that for them. If they, if they feel so bad about this life, right? I want them to have a nice afterlife. That will be terrific for them. You know, my best friend was an atheist. And we met when we were 11 years old, went to junior high, high school, college together. After college, I went to law school. He went to Japan and uh, lived in Asia. He learned to speak Japanese, Cantonese, Indonesian and Thai. I mean, who knew? He was a linguistics genius. He could just pick up these languages. And so I took a couple months off and I, I went to Asia and we traveled through through uh, Japan and then Southeast Asia. And the afterlife frequency, I write about uh, one of our adventures in, in Thailand. But he was an atheist, even though we had, we had both been raised in the Catholic faith. Now, my parents were mediums, so we had a much more broader, a much broader perspective on, on religion than, you know, people who just, you know, toe the party line, if you will. And, of course, he didn't believe in it at all. So this is an ongoing discussion between us. 
And when we were in Asia, and I'm always, you know, every temple we went to, I wanted to talk to the Buddhist monks. I wanted to understand their what they were thinking. And I remember him saying, you know, Mark, I don't believe in an afterlife. I don't believe in God. I, but I don't understand how you do that psychic thing, how you seem to talk to spirits. He said, and the reason I don't believe it is because there's no science and there's no technology behind it. Long story short, um, one of the greatest honors of my life, Tom, was I performed his wedding ceremony. He met this beautiful woman from Japan, and because I was a notary, I was an attorney, but also I was a notary public, and they asked me to perform their wedding ceremony. And it was one of those happiest days of my life. Everybody that mattered was there. My parents, his parents, all of our friends from growing up and from college. It was just beautiful. And then about two years later, he succumbed to suicide. Oh, God. Yeah. And I was devastated. And about a year after that, I was speaking at a paranormal convention in Estes Park in, in Colorado, which was at that time hosted by Dave Schrader. Oh, and, there you go. Okay. Yeah. Um, and um, good friend to all of us. And I had just finished speaking. So I was in the, the uh, convention part, you know, the convention room center. And I'm signing books. Uh, I was autographing my first book had just come out. And my manager, Rocky, who travels with me, she's walking around looking at all the paranormal investigation equipment because there's a bunch of people there from TV and paranormal investigators. And she's walking by this one table, a man by this guy named Chris, and he was showing, um, displaying this thing called the spirit box. And she walks by and she hears, get Mark. And she stopped and she looks at this thing. And Chris looks at her and then it says, get Mark. And Chris is like, do you think he means your Mark, Mark <laughs> Anthony? And so they're calling me, Mark, Mark. And I'm like 50 feet away. And I'm like, but I got to sign books. They're like, get over here now. So I get up and I run over, you know, and I'm like, what is going on? And a crowd of people, you know, forming. And, and then I walk up and I almost had a heart attack because as I approached it, all of a sudden I hear, dude. And, and, and I look at Rocky and I said, Rocky, I know that voice. And then it says, love you, bro. And it fills with static. I literally, I almost fell down. And Rocky was crying. And she goes, that's Billy's voice. Because she knew him, too. And Chris is like, oh, my God. He goes, this is really unusual. Not only did it ask specifically for Mark, but both of you positively identified the voice. And the thing is, we, we were part of the surfing culture of East Coast Central Florida. Mm -hmm. And he always called me dude and bro. And I remember one of the last times I saw him was at the Bangkok International Airport. He was going to Singapore. I was headed back to the States. And he hugged me. He goes, I love you, bro. Oh, and, God. You know, and, and Tom, that set the wheels in motion. Like, initially, I was just completely floored and and i'm a medium and i'm used you know i'm used to being the one that that delivers messages that that surprise people but then i started looking at things long term and this is one of the the aspects that i write about in the afterlife frequency i call it spiritual synchronicity that there are no coincidences things fall into place for a reason and tom it made me realize that my good friend, my chosen brother, the guy I have known since I've been a little boy, my best friend, who was an atheist, chose technology to communicate with me. The guy that said there's no technology, there's no science, and yet that was what he chose to communicate with me. 
And that is one of the reasons, one of the main reasons I wrote the afterlife frequency to explain spirit communication, near-death experiences, deathbed <clears throat> visions, visitations, how it happens, why it happens, where it happens, because it's all logically based on sound scientific principles. You know, Mark, it, 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 that's a hell of a story, first of all. It's a great story. I wonder why it is, because um, <clears throat> I have arguments with people all the time about, well, is there a God? Uh, why would you deny there is uh, or is not a, a God? Uh, why would you ever deny there, that the God exists? Because what harm does it do, Mark Anthony or Tom Barnard or anybody in this room, what harm am I doing you by believing there's something bigger and better than me? I don't understand why they get so upset by that. Uh, I don't either, but I think what happens is that people confuse God with religion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, true, yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. because human beings created religions, and they say, well, you can't get to God unless you go through our clerics, right. our dogma. Right. You have to contribute this, and by the way, you should feel bad about yourself, guilty, shameful, um, you know, you're, you're, you're an original sinner. I mean, there's all this negativity, right. guilt, shame, and coercion, and so people tend to... to to blur the distinction. I like to tell people that God exists in spite of religion, not because of it. <laughs> well, I like that, Mark. I like that, too. Well, you know, it's funny. I was somewhere, and I was lecturing, and the crowd was largely African-American and very, very receptive to what I was doing. And I said, well, we all know that God's an erotic white guy sitting on a throne with a scepter smiting people, right? All right, well, no, and nobody in the room, including myself, we couldn't stop laughing for like, you know, two minutes. I mean, the tears were coming out of people's eyes because there's this conception that, that God is basically a Michelangelo painting. And um, the funny thing is I had a friend from Germany and he said, uh, I said, well, you know, people don't know what Jesus looked like. He says, yes, we do. There is a picture here in this Bible, <laughs> German Bible. You know, and of course, Jesus looks like a surfer. You know, he's an Aryan, you know, right. you know, he's like John Bon Jovi with, you know, blue eye, blonde hair, Jesus. And then I said, yeah, but when you're in France and you look at the paintings of Jesus, he looks French, right? When you're in Greece, he looks Greek, right? And and I go, look at Buddha, you know, okay. Uh, when you're in China, statues of Buddha, he looks very Chinese. When you're in Thailand, he looks very Thai. Um, so people tend to anthropomorphize God in a way that we can understand God. And, and I don't have a problem with that, all right? Because when you're talking about an infinite quantum field that energetically connects everything through subatomic particles known as quanta, that... that um, transcends space and time it's much easier for us to create a human interface it's easier for you and i to think of you know we talk to god we we see jesus and it was fascinating is in near-death experiences people who say you know i saw god well christians tend to see jesus whereas hindus tend to see krishna or vishnu or shiva you know hindu deities um, atheists come back from the experience believing in God because they encounter a divine power and energy that is so overwhelming, filled with love and, and intelligence. So it is not unusual for people to create a construct for us to, to try to interface, if you will, with infinity. 
and 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 that's why religion goes wrong because then people get hold of it and it turns into a business or it turns into you know it's like the the uh, idiots that flew the planes into the buildings on on 9/11 right. and all that you know they they all had a very twisted and disgusting version of Islam because Islam doesn't tell people to do that no but you know and uh, you know you hear about um, fanatics that, that that do these things that has nothing to do with messages from the divine that has nothing to do with spirituality that has everything to do with the narcissistic human ego and so you get these political or religious leaders that want people to bend to their will and carry out their ego driven agendas of anger bigotry hatred and violence but a real message from the divine a real message from a spirit is about peace, love, healing, and resolution. Well, it should have stayed there forever. I've never understood why people needed to take a belief in a higher power, God, whatever you want to call it, and make him a punisher. I've never understood. Look, you got God, a short version of the word good, and you got devil, which is de-evil, the evil. I mean, it's pretty simple here. Uh, I don't understand why God has to be a punisher. You already got the devil taking care of that part of it. Why well, did they have to turn you, him into that? In, in, in the afterlife frequency, and I'll, I'll give a snippet of it, I explain that. Oh, What happened was the development of the concept of hell evolved for thousands of years. And outside of Jerusalem, there's a valley, the Hinnom Valley, and there's a place called Gehenna. And if you were too poor to afford a proper funeral or you were a criminal or dishonored, you were burned in sulfur pits that were called fire and brimstone. Right. And although hell is not part of Judaism, it became part of the culture that if you're bad, if you're evil, if you're a sinner, that you end up in Gehenna. All right, enter the Roman Empire. Ta-da, they come in and basically subjugate uh, Judea, and they influence each other. So tales of Gehenna start seeping and permeating through the empire. Meanwhile, on the empire's northern border are the Germanic tribes and the Vikings. And the goddess of death is named Hel. And her father, yeah. Loki, the mysterious and, and uh, mischievous god of fire and deceit, Loki, Lucifer... Okay, so all these start to, to meld and blend. Mm-hmm. By the third, by the fourth century A.D., pretty much the ancient Roman religion of, of the gods of Jupiter and Juno and Apollo and all that has fallen by the wayside. Pretty much everybody in the empire, for the, for the most part, uh, were Christian. And the Roman emperor Constantine wins a civil war against rival generals, needs to consolidate power. So at the Council of Nicaea, Um, orders all the bishops of the Christian church to create an authoritative text. So here comes the first version of the Bible. And then the result of this is that it was proclaimed Jesus is God and will return, but until he does, the emperor of the Romans, meaning Constantine himself, is God's vicegerent on earth. And those who disobey God's representative on earth will be cast into an eternal pit of hellfire and brimstone. So the teachings of Jesus, uh, the, the beautiful philosophy of all the great religions, have now been twisted into an extension of imperial Roman authority, 
Well, let me tell you something. Even as the Roman Empire began to disintegrate and collapsed in the West, the Byzantine, the Eastern part, man, they grabbed onto that. And to the very last day of the, of the uh, Eastern Roman Empire, the Byzantine Empire, the emperor was still referred to as the equal of the apostles and God's vicegerent on earth. Well, every king in Europe grabbed onto the divine right of kings. They, as the Muslims began to conquer the Middle East, they were influenced by that. And that's where the, when, um, the caliph uh, is, is designated by God to be a political ruler. So this whole divine right of kings and making God into this very male, very insecure, very punishing um, entity was actually created by the Romans as an extension of imperial authority. And, and it's really sad that that happened, because if you examine the, the purity of the teachings of Islam, the purity of Judaism, the purity of Christianity, there's nothing about go kill people in my name. Oh, no, that's exactly. Oh, by the way, I need to mention one thing to you, Mark. When you're talking, we have a we have a, a family dog that comes to the podcast every day, right? Mm-hmm. So while you're talking, everything's fine. When I start talking, he starts snoring. <laughs> What's that all about? It has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to I do with you. I keep looking over at him being envious, going, man, he looks comfortable. <laughs> yeah, he's over there snoring. Every time I talk, he starts snoring, Mark. He I don't certainly know why, can relax. why the dog's doing it to me. I don't mm, get it. He's a big snorer. He is, uh, Mark. Can you you can stay until the top of the hour, right? You got we got you till uh, till one o'clock uh, Central Time. My pleasure. Okay, we'll be right back in two minutes more with Mark Anthony. Tom here for Shift Real Estate. Last year, about this time when we were making plans for Key West, I met the folks from Shift Real Estate, and when I heard the Shift story, it made sense to me. It made sense to my kids, and it makes sense to pretty much everybody that's heard about them. Shift Real Estate saves home sellers thousands of dollars on real estate fees. How do they do it? Shift lists for a flat fee of $5,000. You work with a full-time salaried agent. They take professional photos and videos of your home, list it on the MLS, and market your home online, all for a $5,000 flat fee. Call Shift Real Estate and tell them about your home. Tell them that you heard me talking about it, and they will tell you how you can save $10,000 or more when you list with Shift. It's the common sense way to sell your home. Visit Shift2Sell.com. That's Shift, the number two, Sell.com. Because life is expensive enough. Hey, it's Tom, and thanks to Profile, I've lost over 100 pounds. Yeah, that's right, over 100 pounds. I've been talking about Profile, and I'm telling you, I feel fantastic. Profile helped me, and they can help you, too. So now that I've lost that weight, it's time to maintain and keep the weight off. You've heard me talk about Danette, who helped me lose the weight. She's now guiding me to maintain keeping the weight off. She's been incredible and I can't thank her enough. She is great. You should really reach out today. Profile will set you up with a free no-obligation consultation. No reason to wait any longer. Like I said, it's an absolutely free consultation. Check them out at ProfilePlan.com forward slash Twin Cities. And if you use the promo code Tom Barnard, you will save $100 on your Profile membership. Reach out today. You'll be glad you did. Check out ProfilePlan.com forward slash Twin Cities. That's ProfilePlan.com forward slash Twin Cities. ProfilePlan.com forward slash Twin Cities. Have you ever seen a Well, look at mine. The people on the street have all seen. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, our 
life frequency, the scientific proof of spiritual contact and how that awareness will change your life. Little, it sounds like an odd question, Mark, but are you, are you an NFL football fan? You know, I, I watch the Super Bowl. That's the only game I have time for. So I hate to admit that, but I've always been so involved with with all my research projects and my my travels to investigate supernatural phenomenon around the world that I just haven't made time for that. That's, that's one more game than I watch. Yeah, it's one more than you watch. That's true. Well, the only reason I brought that up is because one of my favorite, if not my favorite NFL player of all time, Scott Studwell, just called me and I just... You know, that's one of those deals again, Mark. I, I try to focus on why I live such a such a you know sweet life and a privileged life to to get to you know be able to talk to Mark Anthony about his book, to be in the studio with everybody else, friends like Scott Studwell calling in. I just I'm a very lucky. Do most people know how lucky they really are? You know. I remember seeing Larry King interviewing Paul McCartney. He yeah. goes, you ever yeah. just pinch yourself? <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose he does. I sat I sat on a stage with Elton John playing piano, with, and it was at an Oscars after party that Elton John puts on every year, and Larry King did his show live that year from God, the party. Amazing. So Larry King was to my right, Doing this show right. live on TV, right. and I was sitting on the piano bench with Elton John, and I felt like saying that. <laughs> I, can you pinch yourself? That's well, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. So yeah. if if life can develop into what it is on Earth here, why can't it continue afterward? I mean, it makes look as you pointed out, we have energy that cannot be destroyed. There has to be a greater good, much bigger than you and me. I got no problem with this. I got no problem with believing in God at all. I don't know why some people just are so just so hard against it. Don't you want to be happy? At, at, at worst, even if there isn't, there's nothing wrong with believing there is to exactly. get to get you through hard times. Exactly right. So th- why do people just leave it alone? I don't just leave it. Just, you have to ruin everything. Yeah, just well, leave I mean, it alone. A lot of people. Some people need it. They can't yeah. handle the concept of disagreement, even if it's a very petty disagreement. Yeah, I suppose. You know, if it's like you know, I like pineapple on pizza versus I don't. Some people will freak out if you tell them that you don't like the kind well, of pizza that they don't. Well, there's tit people. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. For and, you know, the afterlife is no different. It's like, you know, if I say I don't believe in it and you say you do, then, well, we disagree, and that means you're my mortal enemy. Mark, I, I actually <laughs> yesterday met a man who is on his last days of living. He was selling something that I went and bought it, and the person that turned me on said, yeah, this guy's dying, going to die any day. So I go there. He comes out. He's on a cane. He's got bad cancer. He's ready to die. And I asked him because— you know, he has days. And I said, well, what's your brain doing? Like, is your brain, like, messing with you? Because, yeah. you know, he has yeah, days that to live. Like, yeah. you're going, you're going. And he's, I said, are you do believe that you're going to have another life, you know, going on? Right. He's like, oh, yeah, I believe that this ain't it. You know, I'm going to have another life. Right. So that's what it's about. That's what it's for. Because without that, what are you going to think when you're dying? I mean, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean you well, got to have some point. kind of hope, right? I think that's a really good point. You got to have hope. You know, I understand that, but, you know, the the reason I wrote The Afterlife Frequency is to take us beyond hope to the science in support of all this. And, you know, I have a lot of people, I don't believe this, I don't believe this. I go, well, by all means, explain to me your vast understanding of quantum physics, (laughs) energy transfer, and the collective consciousness. And, you know, inevitably, I get the 
Duh. Um, so, so you know, and with all due respect to you know, I, I remember uh, one of one of my favorite movies from a long time ago was A Fish Called Wanda. Sure. And and Kevin Klein and Jamie Lee Curtis, and uh, Kevin Klein's character wasn't real bright, and uh, he was always trying to assert how smart he was. And he says to Jamie Lee Curtis, he goes, "Yeah, well, monkeys don't read philosophy." And she said, yes, they do. They just don't understand it. <laughs> That's a good line, actually. Do you think when we die, we even know that we died? Of course. Because, see, we're all cells in the body of God. Now, we've all heard that, right? And what I explain in, in the chapter on the electromagnetic soul, and I'm just giving a snippet because I illustrate all of my concepts with very fast-moving very dramatic, very heartfelt stories, all of which come from either my experiences or the experiences of other people in readings that I've conducted. I've conducted over 15,000 readings for people, and I've communicated with probably 100,000 spirits. I have no doubt there's an afterlife. I talk to it all the time. And people say, well, you're just reading their mind. But what happens when I get something that somebody didn't know? Like I was doing a reading for somebody recently and I described this little girl who had passed and I gave a description on her and the woman says, I have absolutely no idea who that was. Two weeks later, she contacted me and said, that little girl that you talked about, one of my best friends, her granddaughter died and you described her to a T. She came through to give me a message and I just discovered this today. Now, if I'm reading her mind, how is it that I'm reading something that isn't even there? That's a good point. <clears throat> That's a really, really good point. Um, I, I, I got to believe when you go out to do a speech or whatever, you're rather well received because you spend a lot of time studying this, haven't you, Mark? My, my whole life, yes. Yeah. Yeah, you can tell. So people, I think people do want to hear a good message. I, I am very proud of you that you go out and try to deliver a good, positive message. That no matter what happens, this isn't it. There's a, there's something maybe better on the other side of it. Um, it's got to be a good way to live, Mark. You must feel pretty good about your your life, don't you? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't sit and think, you know, so much about what my role in life is. Um, it it makes me feel feel good when I can help somebody make a connection with a loved one who passed, somebody that that meant so much to them and alleviate some of the grief and the pain that they're going through. Um, But, you know, all of us matter. All of us count. Every single one of us is a part of a greater whole. And, you know, whether you're a good parent, whether you know, you're a good cashier at the grocery store, whether, you know, you're a good athlete, no matter who and what you are, you have a part to play. And you never know when you're going to save somebody's life. Sometimes you may be that proverbial stranger on the bus that listens to somebody who's on the verge of suicide. And because you took the time just to listen, just to show some compassion and kindness, you may not know that you actually saved that person from taking his or her own life. So we all have parts to play. Mine may be a little bit unusual uh, by many standards, but it doesn't make me better or less than anyone else. 
I think that's a great way to look at it. Mark, you got to come back more often, not just when you put out a book. you got to come back once in a while and talk. The afterlife frequency, the scientific proof of spiritual contact and how that awareness will change your life. It's available at Amazon and everywhere, as a matter of fact. Mark Anthony, thank you so much. It's great talking to you, sir. Really thank nice you. talking. Honored to be on the show, and for all the listeners, keep tuning into the family. This this is a great show. Thank you so much for having me on. God bless you. God bless you, sir. Thank you, Mark Anthony, ladies and gentlemen. I loved it. Yeah, it's just, interesting stuff. Just positive, you know. It's like it's not like, well, you have to behave, or God will smite you. It's like no, no. Well, that that uh, Old Testament was pretty smitey. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was really true. smitey. Yeah. Yikes. I, you know, I don't need to believe in the Bible to believe in God. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, the Old Testament's just it's too much for me. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> it's much. much. It's a little too much. much for me. A little too much. I understand that. Completely. The New Testament's pretty good, though. There's it a is. lot of history in the New Testament. Yeah, there's oh, a lot absolutely. Of I was actually discussing with Melissa a few days ago that when I was a kid, most of the Bible lessons came from the Old Testament, even though yeah, yeah, it was Christian, which is very weird. They like the New Testament. They were like, okay, so you know, Jesus was born. He did the miracles. He got crucified, et cetera, et cetera. But Noah's Ark. Almost and all every that. yeah, all the stories that we were told and all the parables were from the Old Testament, which is strange <clears throat> considering, technically speaking, Christianity is New Testament focused. Well, that's because of Catholicism. I, that's a, that, yeah. but that's what I said is Catholics are very Old Testament focused. Yeah, Both, it's very strange. Old and new. Jews believe in the Old Testament. Uh, Protestants believe in the New Testament and Catholics believe in yeah, the Old Testament. Yeah, pretty much. No, I, I went to Catholic school, St. John the Beloved, and they actually... Well, they never let you in there. They actually taught both. <laughs> he just ignores me. They taught both. Yeah, they're supposed to teach they both. They let anyone in who pays. My mother paid them yeah, to, to take me. Um, but, uh, yeah, they, they, taught, they taught creation <laughs> and evolution. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Well, see, you give you an option. All 12 years, they taught, in every grade, they taught creation and evolution. But what if there was creation and, and there is evolution? So yeah, well, they're not can't, mutually can't, exclusive, yeah, really. Yeah, couldn't it be the same thing? Well, no, they just taught you both, and they said, you, you decide on your own. But I thought that was pretty cool. I, re- I remember being in sixth grade, and, and I remember my teacher saying, you can make your own decision. And I remember thinking to myself, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Like, they let us pick which one we believed in. Well, because God, the Bible says you're created as man as you are. Period. There's no evolution, and there's not. The Bible specifically says you're created in the image of Jesus Christ. Right. That doesn't right. mean that you couldn't change. Now, Genesis is also very highly says. allegorical. The Bible so. says you're created as a man or woman. Period. Yeah, but it's very uncommon for people to believe Genesis literally these days. Though. Yeah, and a lot of it's hyperbole in Bible. Yeah. I mean, I mean there's there's no shortage of allegory in the bible right. i mean half of the bible is basically just allegory that's a lot but it's, it's you can't take it it's lessons it's lessons to learn exactly. to live by it's not you know literally yeah it's like i'm sure oh. king solomon never actually said let's cut this baby in half here we go yeah no. i think that was just an example of something he would do I to you know don't know there's been a lot of religions with a lot of weird crazy sacrifice stuff no, well but no he wasn't this is the story of like so these two women come in and either they both claim that this baby is theirs and he's like, okay, well, we'll cut it in half and give you each half of the baby. There you go. And one of the women's like, okay. And then the other protests. 
And that he was says, the real mother. Obviously, that's yeah. the real mother because she actually cares about this baby. Right. So I don't think that actually happened because no, it doesn't. It could have. It could have, but it's could. kind of you know. It feels more like something that uh, the moral it, of the story. It's an is. example yeah. of something there that he could have done. There is some amazing lessons in the Bible. Sure, they're really, really. I have a question for all of you. They're timeless, and it's kind of what you just said, basically. So I, I just. Well, oh, actually, that reminds me of one of my favorite Bible quotes. Let me find it. I mean, you can talk while. No, you don't worry about me. I forgot what I was going to say. Now you had a question. No, I mean, this, this, talking about a. See, I don't see God as a punisher at all. No. Good. God is good. No, I God do. helps you. Right. God really? helps you. Okay? That's not how it was presented in my house. No. <laughs> well, that's the whole problem. When you get the human take on what it's supposed to be, there has to be a greater good. And if that's what God is, that works for me. Right? Yeah, that's that's what God is. It's just the greater good. What's yeah, that, wrong with that's that? That's what God is. Even if there isn't actually a God, God is up for the greater good. I couldn't agree more. So that's what's, what it's that's about. Goodbye. And me. there's nothing wrong with that. So did right. you know two thousand years ago the Bible wrote a passage on online trolling? No. What? It's like a maniac shooting flaming arrows of death is one who deceives their neighbor and then says, I was only joking. Oh my God! That's very uh, applicable to today. To today. What, what, where, where is that? That's Proverbs. Proverbs twenty six eighteen. Say that again. Like a maniac shooting flaming arrows of death is one who deceives their neighbor and says, "I was only joking." I love that. It's, it's, it sounds like something that could have been written today. Yeah, that's what people I say. haven't changed <laughs> at all. No, two thousand years. The Bible is timeless. Two thousand years of culture it's and timeless. nothing Not has changed. Not advanced at all. There's that's, a lot of proverbs that it's like oh you would think that someone went back in time and put that in the Bible because nope, it's so they're, applicable. It's, they're timeless. That's amazing. It just it really shows how stagnant humanity really has been over the past thousands of years. In terms of just like, you know, becoming a more enlightened species as we think we have, but we really haven't. We know more, but we're not like more benevolent or no. Oh god, like no. That. no. Less benevolent now than yeah, I've ever seen arguably. Humans. Right now people are the skin flint me 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 more me now it's all about me. I've never seen people more self-centered than they are right now. We never. have a caller. Forget it. You're out. Sorry, I guess oh, you're fine. out. But what's up, Joe? Uh, you all were talking about brown sugar earlier. Yes, sir. Um, I went and looked at a, watched a video of, of brown sugar that was um, of them performing live in 2015. And I don't think anybody knows what the lyrics are to that song. <laughs> no, I agree. When they were starting the song, they showed a black guy in the audience with a cup of whiskey in his hand, dancing to the beginning. Mm-hmm. One of the guitars is a black man, and their two backup singers, a man and a woman, are both black. Yeah, they're singing this song about whipping a woman and then raping her, apparently. I didn't. Oh, right. I've never heard that in the song, but that's what Rolling Stone what? says it's about. But does it say that in the song? Yeah, the says, lyrics says used to whip the women just around midnight. It says it in the song. I know yeah. that line. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I didn't think that meant. Well, yeah, I didn't either. To tell well, you the truth, no one did. I thought that meant you. Uh, well, you know, it, you it's a lot it like uh, yeah, midnight. It's a lot like every step <laughs> you take. Did. 
I really did. I thought it's, it means you know you don't have sex at midnight. It's a lot like every step you take or whatever that song is called. Every you know, breath you take. Every breath you take. You know, everyone thinks it's like, oh, I'm going to be watching over you. I'm your guardian angel. No, it's about a stalker. A stalker. Yeah. But a lot of people yeah. don't know that, so they use it as like a That's love right. song. That's right. It's been played at weddings. As yeah. <laughs> it sure has. So Everything you, is perspective, isn't that, it? Yeah. What do you think of that, Joe? You look at the next verse of Pound Sugar, it says, Thumbs beating cold, English button runs hot. Lady in the house, wondering when it's going to stop. Hmm. Now, you go back to Lizzie Borden, that's what that whole thing was all about, is the father was having an affair with one of the house girls. Uh, maybe his own daughter, they think. Yeah. You know, affairs are up right now a lot. Are they really? Oh, yeah. 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 I suppose, yeah. Yeah, they're they're thinking the reason that Lizzie Borden may have killed them is because her father was was raping her. Yeah, they, they think I'm that, guessing there's something like that. Yeah, that's what they think happened. No, it wasn't her. It was he was stepping out on the missus and oh, yeah. sleeping with one of the house girls. Well, but then why would she kill the mom? Well, it's the stepmom she killed. Yeah. yeah. So why would she kill her then? Because the stepmom beat her. Oh, she was beating her. Oh, so they're two great parents. Her stepmom snapped and beat Lizzie. I only know Lizzie Borden is the band. Yeah, there you the go. Metal band, Lizzie Borden. Lizzie Borden, the <laughs> band. It all works out. So what What do you take away from it, Joe? Do you think the song is about slavery or just the reference is being confused? I don't give a shit. It's got a good beat. Yeah, it's a good song. <laughs> well, there you go. I think it's one of their best songs. I mean, it is a good song. Brown Sugar is a good song. I think it's one of their best songs. Well, I mean, verse one, Brown Gold sugar. Coast slave ship bound for cotton fields. Yeah. Kind of obvious, but I would it's say. Not, but it's not it's something that they did. It's a, it's, it's a fictional story. Well, no, but it's, yeah, it's literally talking it. about scarred old slaver knows he's doing all right. Hear him whip the women just around midnight. So th it's literally okay, well, that did in no uncertain but terms stuff, about slavery. Okay, but that stuff did happen. Well, I'm just saying so the song is about slavery. There's really no, racist, there's no, though. Well, no, of course it's not. Even the Rolling Stones said they don't really get because it's about slavery is bad. Well, Mick Jagger said he would never write that song today. Well, no, of course yeah, you couldn't. It's about slavery being bad. It doesn't good. matter. Well, you he, can't he even just, talk it, about it. It's just too triggering. Yep. You know, with, exactly. You just have to look at political climates and know that there's something you just can't even, you couldn't do. It's too... Yep. It's too controversial. Yeah, what about that one line they sing in that song and just like, never trust anyone from Louisville. What's that all about? <laughs> That's the refrain. Yes. Joe doesn't and say And they had a, a very hard time finding a rhyme for Louisville. <laughs> Louisville, Louisville. No, no, no. Does, any, does anything rhyme with Louisville? <laughs> no. Hmm. Let's see. Anything? Louisville and. I can't think of anything. Doable and Louisville. Is that close enough? That's close enough. Doable and Louisville. Yeah, I mean, not. Really? Well, if I write a song, I'm gonna I'm gonna rhyme Louisville with doable. Mm. That'll be just fine. It'll doable, get on doable, and Louisville. Doable and Louisville. She's quite a looking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That'll be it. <laughs> All right, Joe. We gotta wrap it up, Pally. All men are the same. Right. Have a good day, sir. Thanks, you too, brother. Thanks a lot, Joe from Louisville. Or he's not from Louisville. Answering Actually, the questions about brown sugar. He's from Minnesota. It's Joe in Louisville, just like it's Charlie in Albuquerque, not Charlie from Albuquerque, because he's go. from here originally. Have you seen a picture of this guy that's playing Robin Williams now? 
I don't want to. No. Playing Robin Williams? I don't want to see Five-minute test footage of Jamie Costa as the late comedian that has the internet exploding. Look at this kid. Does he look enough like Robin Williams? Why is, yeah, is he, he going to be in a series about him or yeah. something? Yeah. like a young yeah. Robin Williams. He uh, looks just like oh, Robin wow, Williams. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, he looks exactly like um, Mork and Mindy era yes. Robin, Robin Williams. Williams. Yep, that's wow. exactly right. Boy, that's going to be huge. I guess they're just doing a five-minute test, and everybody's going, no, 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 forget the five-minute test. Just make a movie. Mm. They want him to make a movie right now. Does he sound like him, too? Uh, I don't know. I'm sure he'll, he'll get it down. Yeah, they'll get it down. They'll have to voice coaches coaching him how to talk like him. Okay, you know you were talking earlier about those uh, NFL players uh, yeah. stealing yeah. money yeah. from, from the uh, welfare office? You know who one of them was? I didn't know this. $825,000 he took. You know who it was? Brett Favre. What? This is a man who made twenty million dollars a year as a yeah. football player, and he has he to was... steal eight and a quarter from the ill uh, from welfare. I didn't how, know he was in there. How are they getting money either. from welfare? Well, it's, not, it's, it's the NFL welfare. So NFL takes care of you for life, medically, for the rest of your life. So what they were doing was there was a ringleader, and he was he was getting all these different players to make up. He made the invoices, and then he would get them to sign them for root canals and caps and crowns and chiropractors. Then he would send them all to the main office, and then everyone would get a check. Yep. But if you have $20 million... He was, doing, he was doing it like every month. What do you need 800000 more for? You know, <clears throat> Yeah. So they could pay their taxes. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, right. I, I stole the money to pay my taxes. That's probably about right. It's probably about what they pay in yeah. taxes in a year. Brett Favre, is he just a dirt bag of I'm the I'm surprised order? he was involved in it. Oh, but the ones are one of them's a ringleader that did it all. He's that's the one just incredibly tacky. One of those guys that likes to take pictures of his wiener and send it to women. I mean, you know, he does. He did that, right? I have no. I don't. I oh, yeah. Brett Favre wrote a barn burner of a human being. He did. Man. Oh yeah. Oh, I don't get that? the whole perversion I thing. Man. I don't either. Honestly, I really don't. I had this conversation like with me, Nancy yesterday. I don't get the whole perversion thing. I just don't I understand it. Couldn't agree more. I just not. Just in bad taste all the way around. I, to tell you the truth, whether it's Joe from Louisville, Joe in Louisville, excuse me, or Mark Anthony, or the first hour, I mean, all of it, I thought it was a hell of a show today, man. Yeah, it's a good woot, show. Woot. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, woot, woot. <laughs> we'll talk to you tomorrow with the family. <laughs>